Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your life-giving word. We pray you would speak it to us now, that it might uh, transform our hearts and minds and the actions of our hands. We thank you that it is life-giving, that has given us life and is promised to give others life with us. Go before us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is the purpose of the church Uh, Tiffany's already raised this question. Why are we here? Uh, A very important one to think about. When you go to the footy stadium, uh, you know why you're there, don't you? Uh, To be entertained by the footy. And uh, at this point in time, to see the Panthers win again. Uh, When you go to the plaza, you know why you're there to go shopping. Uh, When you go to your workplace, you know why you're there to do your work. Now, some of you will be thinking, and I have thought of it myself too, each one of those experiences can have more than one purpose, and often they do, but each came about with a first purpose in mind. So how would you answer it for church? Uh, Here like we are today, or in your growth group, or kids over in kids' church, the uh, the youth over in the year six to eight group. When you go to church, you know you're there. Why? What are some of our answers? Uh, We might say to worship God, to glorify him, to fellowship with each other. We might say to sing or to hear the word of God or to pray. We might say to share the Lord's Supper, to build others up or to evangelise others. Uh, It's okay to have more than one answer, but we'll all find ourselves leaning into a first purpose in one way or another. And the choice we make, whether we've thought about it or not, it actually has a huge impact on what I or you do when we come to church and on what we do together. Uh, But I also think when you get followers of Jesus talking uh, and talking about the purpose of church, it, it has one special challenge the challenge being not least the, uh, the so many different things people mean when they say church, but on top of that, the array of things people do when they church. That sounds like two things after saying it was one, but mm, that'll happen again today. Uh, so how to be clear? And wonderfully, we have a, a great starting point. Uh, the starting point is the answer to the question of whose church is it? think back to when Jesus was traveling with his disciples the things he was doing the things he was saying they were like pieces of an identity kit uh, being given to people the people who were there so that they could recognize him for who he was you know the sort of thing you know they take you down to the station what did the person you saw look like well she had pierced ears her eyes were this color and in Matthew this comes as a bit of a, a mini climax Uh, when Jesus asked his disciples who people thought he was and wonderfully I use this technique in my family I then turn it around with a segue and he said to them who do you think I am and it's Peter when he's talking to the 12 that nails it and says you are the Christ or Messiah the son of the living God 
Now, we've talked before about how that recognises Jesus is at the pinnacle of God's plans, but it's what Jesus says next that's so important for what we're considering today. When he goes on to say, in response to what Peter said, Matthew 16, verse 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, before we get to... uh, church building uh, just to say this isn't just Jesus just setting Peter up as the Pope as some believe it's not even that Uh, it's actually a clever way of making a point where because Simon is the one who made this great declaration uh, and and this declaration is the foundation of everything God is doing now in the world uh, and if you read the full passage not even Simon thought of it himself it was God the Father who gave him that awareness Uh, Jesus gives him now the nickname Rock, which is what Peter means because he's the first to recognise Jesus from his identity kit. Which leads to the big ticket item for us today. Jesus will build his church. As God's Messiah, as God himself, the church exists for him and through him. And it ties in with that passage that uh, we mention each week, uh, Hebrews 12 from verse 22 to 23, the one that speaks of the heavenly gathering, the heavenly church, because church is uh, gathering, that's what our Bible uh, means, the one gathering of which all people from all time who have believed in Jesus are part of. That's a spiritual reality now. That is Christ's church. What we do in gathering, like we are now, reflects the reality which is already ours. We're actually uh, meeting in anticipation now of what we'll experience fully in time to come. Ephesians, of course, has lots to say about uh, Christ and how he builds the church. And for those of you who are playing at home, it's only taken, I think, about seven minutes for me to mention Ephesians because it keeps coming up in this series, doesn't it? Uh, But how does Christ build his church? And as I said, we can look at it, uh, find it in lots of places and plenty of them that might even not use the word church. Uh, But to pick one, I'm going to pick Ephesians 3 from verse 7. Have a listen uh, and look at this. Paul writes, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it's through a gift, and the gift is the boundless riches of Christ where he took the punishment for sin that should have been ours, in fulfilment of the eternal purpose of God. And so church finds its true place in where it fits in, 
in the plans of God. And the really intriguing thing is, as we explore that, the purpose of church doesn't really feel like a purpose at all. What we see is that the church exists to be the church. The church is an end rather than the means. Let me explain what I mean. If church is gathering and the goal is that we'd be gathered by God to God through Christ and that's of course not something we do but something that's being done to us, being done for us, uh, then as another preacher has put it, the church isn't an instrument uh, that does something else. It's actually the finished product of a, that an instrument is being used to build. It's more like, if you can imagine it this way, a cut diamond in all its beauty instead of the jeweller's saw that was used to cut it. Which means the church exists for the relationships that we've been gathered to share. Uh, for the new relationship we have with God through the gospel, through all he has done in Christ, now we live in forgiveness. And also the new relationships we have with one another each united to Christ and so united to each other. And we express that in both the reality of gathering like this and in what we do while we're here. Now, does that change how you think or feel about church? Uh, among us, we can have a whole range of thoughts and feelings, can't we, when we're thinking about church uh, at one end of coming could be an inconvenience, trying to fit it in with the rest of my busy life. Or like going to the dentist, you know, I know it's good for me, but it doesn't mean it isn't painful sometimes. <laughs> and like I said last week, we still live in the age of sin, where I sin and you sin. We all sin and we're all affected by the consequences of sin collectively. And so, too, we can feel the challenge. It can be challenging coming to church, of hearing what's read or preached or experiencing the discomfort of disagreement. But, and it's a big but here, we may also be carried along by the wonder of what God has done for us, what he's doing right now among us. And so our experiences of church that may have shaped those thoughts we've had or feelings we've felt, they reflect that there is something different in our experience of church now and what it will be in the future when Jesus returns. Where we live in the days of the overlap of the ages. Uh, we've talked about this before, where Jesus' death and resurrection was a world-changing event. And the starter's gun for the new age that was promised to come. But in this life, we still live in the old age and it's still to be wrapped up. Uh, as the second last chapter of all God's plans, that's a way of thinking about it, or as the days of God's patience. So what is God doing with the church now? And what part do we play? Last week, we were able to spend some time thinking about the different images God gives us to help us see and understand the church in all its extraordinary beauty, uh, to be his gathered people. 
And there we came uh, to the image of marriage, of an intimate and sacrificial relationship where Christ is the groom and the church is the bride. Uh, But the two I want to come back to uh, today are the image of his church as a building and as a body. We've already seen a bit of the body uh, side of things. I won't be dressing up. Uh, Both of these are given, so we'll see our essential relationship to each other where we need each other, where our newfound dependence on Christ brings with it a new dependence on each other. And how does he picture what he's doing in this age to the building, to the body, to the hundreds of thousands of local churches all around the world? He is building them. He's building us. You would have heard it in our uh, readings today and there's plenty more where they came from, whether it's the word build or building or building up or edify is another word that means the same. We live in the days where Christ is building his church. Now, what tools do you think uh, you would need if you were on a building site? Uh, What's needed to get to the finished product you're hoping to build. Uh, You might want a jackhammer, a crane perhaps, uh, a concrete mixer. Well, God only needs one tool. It's the power of his word and the strength of his spirit. The two go hand in hand. They are one. By it, God is right now building his church. Now the the language of building usually gets turned into building up. We tend to sort of go to that place and our Bible translations often go to that place. But that does miss something essential if we don't understand the fullness of it. It it includes building in as well as building up. includes making Christians as well as maturing Christians. So I'm actually going to divide the building up uh, bit we're talking about here into those two ways and then at the end of it ask you to forget them as two ways uh, and remember them together as one. Is that okay? Sounds a bit odd. See how we go. Uh, the first way uh, he, God does the building overall is by building in. He does it through the preaching of the gospel to those who don't trust it already. And we could look again at uh, 2 Corinthians 4, that was our first reading, but I thought I'd pick up on chapter 5 just a little bit later, and we're not going to uh, uh, explore every part of this. We're really just uh, getting the, the, the main thrust. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This gospel is, of course, the message that through Jesus we may be reconciled, we may be friends again with God when we were enemies. And the result is that as people believe the message, uh, the local church grows as people are added 
to it. As people are built in. And over the years we've seen him, seen God do that among us and beyond us. Even as you reflect on your own story, your own history, God is building people into his church just as he did it for you and for me. The second way God builds is building up. Ephesians 4 is a great place uh, to see this, and so we read from verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We are Christ's, one body in him, united and with the same shared opportunity to serve, but also with the different contributions we get to make in service. And here you see, for the different grace gifts uh, given by God, the ones that are mentioned are specific, uh, mentioned specifically are all word gifts, uh, where again it's God by his word at work, the same tool as builds in, builds up. But wonderfully, we too have a role in God's bodybuilding plan. I don't know whether you've ever thought of yourself this way, as a body builder. <laughs> uh, I'm a man, so I often look in the mirror and see something that is not necessarily in touch with reality about my physical, you know, gusto and the like. Uh, you can comment on that later. Uh, but wonderfully, whatever we look like, and for all who trust in Jesus, each one of us has been given responsibilities, whether in word ministries or speaking the truth in love or another bodybuilding service, so that together we'll arrive at the day of Jesus' return or our death mature, fully grown, completed. Building project finished. So remember building in and building up. They're actually one activity. Christ is building his church. And did you also notice, uh, as we were talking there, we build in by gospeling people and we build up by gospeling people. This is unsurprising, really. We don't need the gospel first and then something else to carry on. The gospel continually spoken into our lives is what we all need. So now, how do we play our part in light of God's great bodybuilding project? It means we don't just come to church to have a 
me and God experience, though indeed we do have that. But above all, we come to church to have a one another and God experience, relating, building and being built. Now, of course, that doesn't happen if we don't gather. And so, of course, we must do that. That is essential. Uh, in church, <laughs> I was just thinking as I uh, say that, that uh, I worked out quite some time ago when you're preaching or leading a church, not to berate the congregation for not coming to church. Because, in fact, the people who are here are, by and large, the people who don't need to hear that uh, to get them here. It's the people who aren't here who need to hear it, but they're not here to hear it. Here's another thing. In churches for years past, we taught how coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, rightly so. Uh, The thing is, lots of people believed this and stopped coming. But we should have also emphasised, if you're a Christian, you will church. Uh, Recently, our technology has served us uh, very well. That's a grace of God. But it's it's not a substitute for gathering face-to-face. It can't replace the character of being physically together and the way that promotes and encourages and enhances our relationships one with another. And in God's amazing way of getting things done, when we do gather, not only do we get to serve and build others in love, he uses everyone else in the room to do it, to serve and build you. And as we've already seen, the word of God, which comes through the spirit of God, is central. And so you can find, we we won't do it now, though there is an opportunity in growth groups during the week in the the study that goes with uh, this uh, section, God's word tells us that when we gather like this, some will preach, uh, we will all listen, we all may sing and likewise we all speak the word of God to each other. Together we get to respond in humility before God as some will accept the call to repent for the first time Uh, and the rest of us will observe and repeat it again and again. And we respond to God in prayer and ask him to work in us so we'll be obedient, the obedience that comes by trusting what he says And each one of these things contributes to the building process. Each of them is essential to the building process, but it's the building that is the activity that is going on among us and wonderfully God using us in it. And so we've chosen a few uh, for our Transforming Lives spots over these three weeks, a few areas of what we do when we are together Uh, to focus on and uh, rest assured David's got one of those for us today Uh, and we'll share a link as well because uh, the Australian church record has got online some great short little articles on the different things that we do when we're together why we do them Uh, and next week we'll explore more of our part uh, the part we take responsibility for under God in God's bodybuilding program. But let me ask you, for you to answer for yourself, how are you responding to God in a way that's appropriate for where you're up to with God? 
Have you trusted the gospel of good news for yourself? Have you taken the step of humbling yourself in confession and repentance before God and so moved from living outside the church to experiencing the gift of being in it? And and once you have, and uh, for as long as you have been, how are you making time to church and frequently churching and walking into church? with God's bodybuilding program at the forefront of your heart and mind? Now, having said that, this is time for uh, an obvious plug, our Grow What You Know book, uh, which I don't think I actually brought with me, which is a mistake, but it's called... That's right, How to Walk Into Church. Tony Payne's written it. Let me encourage you to lay your hands on it. Uh, If we've got any copies left, it's over there. Otherwise, we'll stock them up again so that you can spend some more time thinking, knowing the purpose of church, thinking through how you'll meet your responsibility and privilege under God. In fact, grab someone else and read it with them. Uh, Even when uh, we are not here, we can be thinking about how to love and play our part in building God's church. But let me finish by saying, to all of us who have trusted Jesus as our Lord and great reconciler, first and foremost, that is why we are here. He is why we are here. Uh, Through his great bodybuilding program, we are his church. Uh, That is the beauty of our life together. And so let's express that as we gather and together glorify God. I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the extraordinary privilege, uh, as we have prayed already, to be adopted into your family but wonderfully to come together as your church. Work in and among us here as a congregation, as a local expression of the extraordinary thing that you are doing in all of history. Help us, we pray, to understand our identity, to live in step with it, and to take up our part in building the body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.